so uh, for your birthday, we have prepared a um, a plethora of of uh, cookout items. So please make sure you stay for our for our cookout. We we are having first Sunday meal. Thank you so very much for being here, and we want you to stay for first Sunday meal. I'm sure that there's going to be a plenty of food because I we have 45 45 burgers, 45 burgers. If you're watching and you are going to be and you anticipate being hungry in I don't know how long that'll be up to the Lord but uh, if you anticipate being hungry between now and I don't know 12 o'clock come on down because we would love to have you and we're going to have hot dogs too and lots of great stuff so make your plans to stay with us Uh, if you have not yet brought your items for the month of July it is toiletries so anything that you can think of being toiletries cannot be anything that is liquid or anything that is glass but um, or in, in a glass bottle but uh, anything that you can think of as toiletries bring them on put them right back here we want to we're getting a lot of stuff I mean a ton of stuff so thank you so very much we want a lot more because last year I think we had two dozen boxes and we want more boxes than that to go out in at the end of this year if you don't have time, somebody brought me, actually two people brought me money today to use for our shipping costs. And if you do not have any money right now, then bring a box. I had someone bring a shoebox today. So we, we do have a lot of different opportunities for you to give in this area of the Operation Christmas Child. So thank you so very much for, for taking care of that. Also, on the 23rd of this month, Bonnie English and his family are going to be here. It it was really good last time. We had a good time. And afterward, we're going to have a spaghetti supper. We're going to we're going to ask for a donation of $5, and all that money is going to go for the ministers who are who are there uh, that night. So, we if you don't have $5, we will not make you starve. But if uh, if you want to give twenty dollars, we will not give you change back. So <laughs> we uh, we do we do want you to be here on the twenty third at six o'clock and uh, and participate in fellowship and in hearing the ministry of song and then come over and fellowship some more in the fellowship hall. So any other announcement, we will let you know. Um, can't think of anything else right in this second. I forgot a couple of things last week, so I'm just trying to cover my bases. Also, if you are not on the email list and you would like to be, to, I was talking to somebody yesterday who doesn't even attend here, and I was talking about our newsletter, and they said, I need to get on that newsletter. I said, yes, you do. So if you'd like to be a part of our emails that go out uh, every Monday, then just let me know. Uh, write down your email address. Uh, hand it in to me or to um, someone handed it to mom last week. So uh, do that because I I think they're encouraging. I hope you guys are being encouraged by the things that are in there. And uh, we want you to, to know the things that are going on. And a lot of times it's easier to see it in print than to try to remember what I said on the Sunday morning rambling on. So anyway, uh, we are celebrating. We are celebrating Independence Day. And I got to thinking about it, and tomorrow we're, we're celebrating even more. If y'all haven't gone out and seen any fireworks, <laughs> hey, I just love fireworks, so I encourage you to do that. Have a good time with your families and friends. But I got to thinking this morning that you know, freedom, of course, is it comes at a cost. The reason that we have freedom in our country is because there are people who hundreds of years ago fought 
to be free from the rule of England. And the reason that we have freedoms currently is because there are people who are willing to go over and fight. And the thing is, once you have fought, once you have been in battle, you have war stories. You can come back and you can encourage other people. You can share with, with those. You think about those old men. There's a place in Mooresville, uh, Richard's Coffee Shop, and veterans go in there and they share war stories and they, they talk to one another about the experiences they had, the places that they were stationed and, and the kinds of things that they went through. And all of us have war stories. We have things that God has brought us through. We have places that he has taken us and freedoms that we have only because of what we've been through. So as you are, sometimes we, we want to keep those things to ourselves, but I encourage you, share some of those war stories because they can help people. They can help and give encouragement to those who are in the midst of difficulties. Amen. Let's sing this morning and go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him to have his will in the service. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You are good. You are great. You are mighty and strong. God, we thank you and we praise you for freedom that comes only in you. God, I thank you and I praise you that you give us freedom in this country, that we are able to come into your house without fear, that we don't have to be worried about about worshiping you or, or raising our hands. We don't have to be worried about uh, reading the Bible and, and keeping that hidden, but we are thankful for that freedom of religion that you have given us. But God, we thank you as well for the freedom that comes only through the knowledge of Christ, only by knowing that he is our Savior. Father, I thank you and I praise you that he went to war with the enemy, and he was able to rescue us from the enemy by his blood. God, I thank you and I praise you. I pray that today we would honor you with all that we say and do from the very first prayer to the very last prayer that we would lift you up. God, open our ears and our hearts that we can hear and respond to the things that you want to say to us today. God, help us to be receptive. We thank you. We praise you for all that you do and all that you are. In Jesus' precious holy name we pray. Amen. God, we thank you. We praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you would hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me, how you love me? It's amazing. Sing that again. Who am I? Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you would hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me, how you love me? It's amazing. of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Who 
am I that you are mindful of me, that you would hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me, how you love me? It's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing that I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, He called me friend, I am a friend of God. Of God, I am a friend of God. He called me friend. friend. God Almighty, God Almighty, Lord of glory.
when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own. When brokenness and pain is all I know, I won't be shaken. No, I won't be shaken. Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. No, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. And my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. I am not a captive to Every heart and every mind 
Cause I know there is peace within his presence. I speak Jesus. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. And your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety. Receive this today to every soul held captive by depression. I Speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. And your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn From mountains and Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, and Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name of Jesus. Sing that again, Jesus from the mountains. Shout, Jesus from the mountains. And Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. And Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Your name is power, your name is healing, and your name is speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within his presence 
I speak Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just speak your name and know that you can do all things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
that, no matter what it feels like, if you know it, give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Is there two or three that would say, yes, he is awesome. Yes, he is awesome. He is God, and there's none else. Amen. Oh, thank God for the mission of the church, and thank God for the vision that we have to go into all places, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. What am I doing to make sure that people around my neighborhood knows about Jesus Christ and how that he saves souls. Oh, praise God. Wonderful Sunday for a celebration time of liberty. Oh, praise God and freedom and how wonderful it is. For the God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would just believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How must I be saved? The question was asked to those that were in prison when it looked like that the Lord was just about to make a deliverance. Hallelujah. What must I do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Hallelujah. And we know whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. Hallelujah. Sin has no hope. Whew. Hallelujah. Somebody jump over the church with the preacher. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many war stories do I have over how many years of serving the Lord. Praise His name. Praise His wonderful name. About 47 years of pastoral work and then other work as well and now hoping to be the best member that there is anywhere. Praise God and I'm going to do what I can. Amen. It's good to see you in the Lord's house today and you may have a war story we don't want to take a lot of time now. We can't we can't go a long time, but if you got something to brag on about Jesus and what he has done, maybe you'll tell us about it right now. Amen. He is. Thank you. Thank you, Father. All right, you're next, someone else. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Praise God. Go ahead. Don't wait on someone else. Go ahead. Praise you, the Lord. Hallelujah. Sister Julie, go ahead.
good. He is good. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Praise God, the Lord is good. Amen. And on this uh, holiday season, we do uh, have thankful hearts for those that have fought and those that have done their best to keep us safe and free. Oh, what a wonderful thing. We, we appreciate uh, those police officers that get out there. We have one of them here today. We appreciate you, Zach, uh, and all your work and, and the danger that you face time after time. We've heard of so many awful stories, but we thank God for those that will try to keep peace even in our local uh, place where we live, and I thank you so much. Appreciate you coming today, every one of you. Look at your neighbor and say, you look good. You look good. Amen. It's good to see one of our friends uh, for a long time. Brenda is with us this morning. Been a friend for a long time and friend of the church. Appreciate her and all the others. Everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The birthday girl, we're glad you're here today. Drove all the way from West Virginia to be here and celebrate with us after church in a meal and fellowship. But I'll tell you, God's ready to do some stuff here. Amen. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And he invites others to magnify the Lord. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. We exalt you today, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Oh, bless his name. Good morning and welcome to the Cornelius Church of God. We're glad to have all of you with us this morning. If you are, well, if you've been here once or twice, you're not a visitor anymore. You're just one of us, and I'm thankful that you're here with us today. It's time, see, it's time to skip all the preliminaries and go right to the, I need you, I need you to give in an offering. Praise so if our usher will come at this time, we'll take it. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> but thank you for being here. Thank you for if you're at home and can't come, thank you, and I look forward to the time when you can. Brother Joyner, will you say the blessing over the offering this morning? Thank you, Lord, for those that are able to be up here today. 
Good morning. It's good to see each and every one of you this morning. Glad to be here on this 4th of July weekend. Thought I might have to work, but it didn't. So thank you, Lord. And that song, My God is Awesome, we haven't sung that in a while. So it's a good one. It's now time to speak. Speak. It's now time to take prayer requests this morning. This thing is loud. Sister Hager. Let's pray for Sister Hager's boys, Walker, Brother Mike. I want to pray for Brother Mike's friend Josh and his family. Sister Shuggy. Yes, let's pray for Sister Shuggy's sister Linda, and it all goes well and works. request let's pray for Mary complete healing in her and let's pray for Jason the procedure goes well sister Judy yes let's pray the Lord provides her your sister her daughter I'm sorry Anyone else? If not, raise hands for unspoken requests. Stay with me as we take these to the Lord this morning.
Thank you. It's time to fellowship.
Continuing to take a look at grace. For the past couple of weeks, we've been there. Well, two weeks prior to that was um, was Father's Day, so we were not in here. We were in the fellowship hall, but before that, we'd begun grace. So for the past two sermons, it has been grace, the third one, of course. We are here, and there but... Oh, Michael, you want me back okay? No, 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 you're good. There but by the grace is our is our title, if you're title and stuff our last look at grace last week taught us the necessity of grace and truth grace and truth are reflective of Yahweh that's why that's the first reason that they're both important because from the Old Testament Yahweh was trying to tell his people was trying to express to them that he was full of both grace and truth and they didn't get it until it was seen through the lens of Jesus 
who was full of both grace and truth. It was difficult to see Yahweh as such. So we see that it's important because it's because it's reflective of who God is. We also know that grace without truth is indulgent. That if all I give out is grace, we had an example of this yesterday, bless it. We were we went to see fireworks and as we're coming out, Shane Williams is he's letting people out left and right. He's just it's like letting people in front of him. Um there half a troutman got in front of him. He said, Look at me, just handing out grace. Just handing it out left and right, handing it out. And tr- grace without truth is indulgent. It it n- leaves you way behind and everybody in front of you. But truth without grace is discouraging. I said, well, babe, that's why we work, because you are full of grace and I am full of truth. Because my, my thing is, you may get ahead of me, but you're not getting in front of me. I'm one of those terrible, I'm terrible. I'm one of those bumper riders. Like, I see somebody who got in the wrong lane, and I know they got in the wrong lane on purpose. Like, you, you're you from around here. You know. And I will, I'll get on somebody's rear end so that they don't get, oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. That's being recorded. I'm sorry. Y'all who are at home listening to this, just ignore that. Okay, please. Thank you. But but that's, that is why grace and truth together are important. So today we're going to take a look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about grace. Of the 131 times that the word grace is used in the New Testament, Paul uses the word 91 of those times. Yes. So the, the theology that we have about grace is very, very well shaped by Paul and what he has to say about God's grace. Our theology has, has been has come much from, uh, especially in Romans, lots and lots of grace there, but today we're going to be in Ephesians. And we're going to learn about grace as it relates to salvation. And looking at the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote this epistle to the church in Ephesus, of course. It was written while Paul was in prison. Although it's addressed to the Ephesians specifically, it was a circular letter, most likely, which means that it was intended to first go to the church in Ephesus, but then also be passed around to all the churches in that local area, in their district, basically. So he was not addressing a specific church issue. Now, there were some of his books that were sent directly to a certain church. Y'all got issues. Y'all need to straighten them up. But that was not the case in Ephesians. So everything that's written here is going to be able to apply to each and every church who reads it. So as we look at this, keep that in mind. In the, the first chapter, Paul begins expressing his hope that all those who are listening will begin to comprehend the greatness of God. He is the one who had raised Jesus from the dead. God appointed Christ as head over the church. He talks a lot about mystery within this book and trying to reveal the mystery of who God is through Christ. And he said that the enemy and all things were put under the feet of Jesus that he was reigning over all things and this is the Paul this is the Jesus that Paul wants the believers in Ephesus and all around to to know and to understand so we're going to take a look at chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 verses 1 through 5 to start it says and you hath he quickened 
who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, <laughs> who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. So here Paul says to the Ephesians and says to us that we were all dead in trespasses and sins at one time. That each and every one of us, no matter how young you were when you received Christ, no matter how good you were before you received Christ, that we all, at one time or another, were dead in trespasses and sins. To trespass in the Greek means a side slip. An unintentional or even an intentional error. So something you didn't mean to do or I knew I was doing this and it was wrong and I did it anyway. And to sin here means to miss the mark and not share the prize. To violate the divine law in thought or act. These actions cause death, literally for some, because we know that the wages of sin is death. It calls death literally for some, but spiritually for all. Paul here is saying you are rebels and failures before you come to the knowledge of Christ. You have intentionally rebelled against God, and you have failed to reach the mark that he set for you. That each and every one of us in time past have been rebels and failures. He said, you've been walking according to the direction of the prince of the power of the air. Now, we see here that there are only two directions. You are either dead in sin, following the prince of the power of the air, or you're living in new life in Christ. Now, for those of us who would try to say, no, I, I'm, I'm my own individual. I'm my own man. I am my own woman. I chart my own course. Not so. <laughs> because we're fooling ourselves by thinking that we're masters of our own lives. When we see the truth, we realize that we are children of disobedience. Disobedience, obstinate, rebellious. This is a Hebrew phrase meaning to belong to disobedience as children belong to parents. said, so you are children of disobedience. Disobedience has birthed you. You are living under the directions of disobedience. And that we are children of wrath. Wrath meaning impulse, desire, or violent passion. Again, in the same way, wrath has given birth to you. If you're choosing to not follow the way of God, then you have chosen, either directly or inadvertently, you have chosen to follow this path of disobedience and wrath. 
He said, you have your conversation in the lust of the flesh. This word conversation, now, it's interesting because there are quite a few times that Paul uses the word conversation. But he has three, at least three different meanings in the Greek. We think of conversation, it's a time that you talk one with another. And he does use it that way in one place. But in here, in this particular space, it means to be turned upside down. By the longing of our sinful nature. He said, at, in time past, there were times that, that your conversation was after the lust of the flesh. The lust of your flesh, the desires that you had within you turned you upside down. You were going one way and it just flipped you on your head. You were concerned only with fulfilling the desires of your depraved nature, of our deepest, darkest thoughts. He said at one time you were there. You were hopeless. You were sinful. You were lost. You were upside down. Couldn't find your way out. But God. I'm telling you, as I was studying this, whoo, as I was studying this, it just, I, I wrote it, and I was like, wow, that's just, that is one of the most power, powerful phrases in all of Scripture. I know uh, one of Dad's favorites is, in the beginning, God. But this one right here, that it just hit me. But God. All these things had gone wrong. Everything was, I mean, it made me feel real preachy. So I, if, I, if I begin to be more preachy than I typically am, this is why. Because I got to thinking, I, I, so long, <laughs> we were here. We were bad, and we were wrong, and things were going terrible, and we were in darkness, and we were without hope and didn't even know it. But God, who is rich in mercy? This means literally he is wealthy in the area of compassion. It said that he has extended agape toward us. This agape, this love, this God type of love is a deep concern for us. It's not saying like the phileo, I love you because I'm related to you. Or I love you because we're friends. It is not the eros, I love you because I am, I am in, in love with you. In a passionate relationship with you. But no, I love you because I'm choosing to. That God saw us in a bad place. That he saw us when we were at our very worst and he chose because of his great love, because of his mercy, because he is rich in compassion. He chose to say, yes, I will love you. While we were still wandering, aimless, blind, searching for satisfaction, dead in our sin. Looking for something but finding nothing. It says that he quickened us together when we were dead in sins he hath quickened us together with Christ through the resurrection of Jesus we are made alive this word quicken means to reanimate that I, I could not I couldn't even have emotion I couldn't even I couldn't even function without faking it but God That we are now made alive in Christ. 
And this is a this is a very important thing, and he talks about it in just a second. We're going to read it, but this idea of of the resurrection of Christ, we rejoice and we're grateful on Easter that Jesus, and throughout the year, of course, we're grateful that Jesus died for us, that He was willing to leave the glory of heaven and to come down and live and be fully God and fully man and understand our our thoughts and our feelings and everything that we're going through, and He was willing to die. But if he was still dead, we couldn't be quickened. If he was still dead, we would still be dead. There had to be resurrection. There had to be, there had to be death. There had to be bloodshed to pay for our sins. But there could be no victory without the resurrection of Jesus. There could be no freedom until he raised from the dead. And so we're glad, we're so happy that we are now made alive in Christ taking a look at verses 6 through 10 it says and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He experienced death. He came to earth, experienced being human. He experienced death so that we could have life. And it says that we are raised up together. The only other time that this phrase occurs is in reference to baptism. So we see here Paul is bringing in this theology of baptism that when that when we are saved, that when we become Christians, that when we accept Jesus into our heart, then we should also show that by being raised up that symbolism of baptism that we are laid down in death to sin and then we are raised back up to new life. So he's using this idea that we are raised up and that we have been made to sit down together. So we're raised up to new life, and then we sit down. We have that rest in Jesus. It's a symbol of unity with Christ who is in heaven. Notice it didn't say that we are sitting together in heavenly places with Christ. We're not, we're not sitting. Or don't be so heavenly-minded. You're no earthly good. We're, we're not in heaven yet. But because we are in Christ and Christ is in us, we have that hope of glory that we can sit down with him one day in heaven. We have been made examples for those who will come after us. It says, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. So my past gives hope of a future. When I think about, again, those, those war stories, and it really hit me this morning, but it goes along with this very well when I think about the ways that I can that I can say not not to give lots of details about you know I I was steeped in sin and I was doing you know enlisting everything but to show that testimony that I once was lost but now I'm found that I know what it's like to be in that dark place I know what it's like to to hurt and have pain and to lay down at night and not have any peace. I know what it's like to not have any hope but God. And we are that example 
and have been made an example for those who will come after us. That my past, again, gives hope for a future. That we who were dead and hopeless in our trespasses and sins have been resurrected through Christ. When I look back over my sinful past, each each and every one of us, when I look back, it has to be a testimony of the exceeding riches. And y'all know Paul likes to use this word exceeding. It means the same as he uses in a, in a few other, in a, a chapter or two after this. Ex, it means exceedingly abundantly above. So he's saying here that in the ages to come, he might show the exceedingly abundantly above riches of his grace. That it is only his kindness, only his grace that has brought me in, not for my glory of how great I can be or how far I've come, but how good he has been. (laughs) Because it is grace alone that has delivered me. He says, how can I, how can we be saved? How is it that we're able to, to receive salvation, salvation here, or being saved here, meaning to save one from perishing, to heal, to restore, to rescue from danger or destruction. We use that word saved in a, in a really churchy kind of way. Oh, I got saved. And we sing that song. It's a great song. We say, I got saved. But sometimes we don't really understand what that means fully. But being saved means to be rescued from perishing, to be healed, to be restored, to be saved from danger and destruction. That when I'm saved, it means more than I'm just going to church now. It means more than, all right, I got my ticket to heaven. It means that the old life is gone that I have now received healing through the stripes that Jesus bore I have now received peace because he was chastised for me I have now received a deliverance that I was in the middle of of falling down and he picked me up that is what it means to be saved he said it is through faith in Jesus That is how we are saved. And that's by the grace of God. But God, by His grace, because He's good to us, because of His favor, His love and kindness, His goodwill, His sweetness, that God provides this saving power. By God's grace, I can be saved through faith. That's what Paul is saying here. By God's grace, I can be saved through faith. It's a gift. The word gift here meaning a present or a sacrifice. Because of the sacrifice of God, I can be saved. Salvation is not something that we can earn. Being saved, being rescued from from sin and destruction, being healed is not something that I can accomplish in myself. There There are cults that will try to tell you that if you work hard enough, if you 
preach to this number of people and if you convert this number of people then maybe just maybe you'll have a place in heaven and that's a lie because there is nothing that we can do to earn our salvation there is no way that I can be good enough (laughs) because I cannot first salvation requires resurrection from from the death of sin I can't resurrect myself I'm, I'm walking around like a zombie I have no power in and of myself to be resurrected. I don't even know. Some people don't even understand that they're dead in sin. They think they're doing good. This is the way it's always been. This this feeling of hopelessness. Well, maybe I'll fill it with something else. Maybe I'll work more. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try this substance or that substance or maybe I'll go after this relationship or maybe I'll do this or this or whatever it may be and they don't understand. So I have no power in and of myself to be resurrected from death. So that automatically shows I cannot work hard enough to earn salvation. To try is useless and frustrating. Think of those times that you've you felt really good about yourself. You know, you've you're you're living you've got you've gotten saved, you've accepted Jesus into your heart. And those days that you're like, all right, Lord, you know, it's the end of the day. And you're, you're saying your nighttime prayers, and you're like, God, I had a good day. Thanks. I didn't cuss anybody today. I'm being young. <laughs> I didn't, I had the chance to gossip, Lord, and I didn't. Thank you for that. Lord, I, I was uh, thankful when something difficult happened, and, and I, I, didn't, I didn't pop off and get angry but I was thankful to you so Lord I had a I had a good day I didn't sin as many times as I did yesterday <laughs> thank you Lord for a great day and so, maybe y'all have never inventoried your day like that maybe I am the only one who has inventoried my day laying there going okay Lord yes alright red check prayed check didn't get too much of an attitude check yes good day but then you have those days that you lay down and you begin inventorying and you're like oh lord i'm really sorry i'm really sorry because i had the chance to witness to this person and i didn't and maybe i was prideful about this situation and maybe Lord I I gave a little white lie in this circumstance and you begin to feel worse and worse about yourself but see that mentality is very opposite of what the Bible is saying because that's an earning type of mentality it's saying God is only pleased with me if I am good and wrapped up in a little bow and that at the end of the day I can put a check mark beside all the great things that I've done. Or, on the opposite side, that if I've been bad today, God is mad with me and he's disappointed in me and how can I possibly please him and face him later tonight when I'm saying my prayers? 
And I know this because I've been there, because I can be super legalistic. Oh my golly, I'm really good. I'm super, we've talked about this before. I'm very black and white, and I can, hey, if there's a set of rules, I can follow them. I can follow them better than just about anyone, because I'm good at that. But it's taken me a really long time to understand that by grace, we are saved through faith. That not of works, lest any man should boast. Because I can look at myself, oh, this has been a good week. Thank you, Lord. I am doing good. I am extra saved because I've been extra good. But then those weeks that are bad, oh, God must be disappointed with me, and how can I face him? And I've been such a disappointment to him, and how can he accept me, and how can he love me? But by grace, by God's grace, we are saved through faith. That not of works. I cannot earn it. I cannot in and of myself be good enough to come before a holy God. I fail so often. And I can't tell you with the legalism, with the perfectionism, I cannot tell you the number of times that I have felt so ashamed. Coming before God and saying, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. When that was not at all what he was looking for. Now, should we be repentant of our sins? Absolutely. 100%. I am not at all saying that. Okay? If you're, if you're willfully sinning and you're like, oh, God's going to, we'll talk about that in another, uh, maybe next week. Um, but we're, that, that's not what I'm saying. We, we should be, it should hurt our heart that we hurt God. But we should not be to the point of, God, I've, I've blown it because I couldn't be good enough. The work that had to be done for our salvation was death and resurrection. Can you do that? Nope. Can I do that? No way. We have no ability to accomplish what it takes for our personal salvation. All we can do is have faith. All we can do is have faith that because of what Jesus did, I can be saved. I can be rescued. It says we are his workmanship. This word workmanship here means product, fabric. The Greek word is poema, which is the origin of the word poem. I think that uh, Pastor Chuck mentioned that a month or so ago when he was here, that we are the poem. That I am not the finished product. I am not the finished product, but I am a product. I am a piece of the fabric. I am a line of the poem that God is writing. I am a part of what he's doing. And this is why we are saved, to be created in Christ. This word means found. I once was lost. He, he showed this. Paul showed this at the beginning. You were lost. You are messed up. But now you're created in Christ. You are found in him to do his good works. Not, not our own. Ones that he prepared for us to walk in a long time ago. So this, this section of scripture 
is one of the deepest theologically. But also, I hope is one of the most easy for us to understand. That we're shown the goodness of God through the example of His mercy, His grace, and His love. That we're shown that even when we are at our worst, God planned a purpose for our lives. We can apply these truths through the understanding of opposites. So taking a look at, got some points. Taking a look at the opposites that we see reflected in this chapter. The first opposite is death versus life. Anyone who does not know Christ is dead. The enemy may try to convince us that we are living it up. Oh, you're doing, I'm doing good. I am mastering my own fate. I'm having a great time. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And it says that that he came, Jesus said, he came to give life and give it more abundantly. So we cannot have life apart from Christ. We may feel like, oh, I'm, I'm living it good. But there is no way to have life without Christ. Because on the other hand, Jesus said of the enemy in that, same, in that same scripture that the purpose of Satan is to steal and kill and destroy. If, you are, if you're following that direction, you can expect death. That's just inevitable. The wages of sin is death. You can, you can just expect to be losing things on the way. <laughs> to have your joy stolen. To have your peace stolen. To have your rest stolen. If you're headed that way, because that is all that the enemy can do is steal and kill and destroy. And the only way to life is by Christ. Because we were rebels and failures serving disobedience and wrath. We were slaves to whatever our flesh desired, turned upside down by our evil desires. But God. <laughs> but God loved us. God agaped us. God chose to do the best for us at his own expense. So he roused us from death. He resurrected what sin had tried to kill. He put me into a place of fellowship with Christ. I do not deserve it, but he did it. The second thing that we see, the second opposite that we notice in this chapter is time past versus age to come. In time past, he says, he says this twice in the passage that we read. In time past, you followed the course of the world that Satan had laid out. In time past, your life, again, was turned upside down. It was, it was returned back to its sinful state. You had busied yourself fulfilling your own desires of your flesh and your mind in time past. But that time has passed. Because in the ages to come, he will show the surpassing riches of his grace. Because of our accepting Jesus, because of our loving him, we have seen that 
in the ages to come, we're an example. That his supply of grace can never run out. Imagine that for a second. He has enough grace to extend to every person. Whoever has lived, who is living right now, and whoever will live. He has enough grace to extend to every sin that has ever been committed, is being committed currently, and will be committed. That is how much grace he has. It's, it's unfathomable. That there, his supply of grace will never run out. That he wants everyone to be saved. And then the third thing we see is our works versus God's workmanship. Our righteousness. The very best we can do is as filthy rags. <sighs> Nothing good that I can do can save me. I can never be enough. And and that's a you know, culture's way says you're enough, you're enough. You're. It's not true. It's not true. The reason that we feel like we're not enough is because we're not. Until I accept Christ, my goodness will never be enough. Until I am made complete in Him, I can never be enough. That's the truth. That's just the way it is. Nothing good that I can do can save me. No legalism, no good works, no amount of trying harder will make me acceptable in God's sight. The only step that I can take toward rescue is to put my faith in Jesus. That's the only thing that I can do to receive salvation is to say, Jesus, I have faith that you died to save me. That's the, that's the first step. That's the first thing that I have to do. I cannot be good enough. I cannot earn it in myself. When I do this, his work begins. And sometimes we may see it, and, and what Paul is saying, well, Paul, you, you told me that I'm the workmanship and I got good works to do, but you told me I can't do works so that I won't boast about it. But again, that's the... That's the law of the opposite here. When James talks about faith without works is dead, I have faith, but here are my works too. Well, what do you mean? How can, how can one of you say that I'm saved by faith alone, but then you say I have to have works? But no, once we are saved by faith alone, God has works for us to do. Through the resurrection of Jesus, God has made new life available to me, but it is my faith that activates this newness of life. I must reach out for it by faith. That's the only act that I can do. I can reach out and say, yes, I believe this, and then I become the fabric. I become that instrument that he uses to accomplish the good things that he has planned for me to do. It's no longer an idea of earning it. The good things that I'm doing now, the, the things that I'm working for now, has nothing to do with me earning my salvation. It has to do with the fact that I belong to him, I've surrendered myself to him, and I'm saying, Lord, I, I want to take a step. I want to do what you want me to do. 
you need me to do this, that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm working because you're telling me to, not because I'm trying to do good enough to be pleasing in your sight. He orders my steps because he planned them a long time ago. So what do you believe about God's grace and about his plan? Ask yourself that today. Do you believe that his grace can reach to you no matter what you've done? And you may say, I'm not all that bad. I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm doing fine. And maybe you are. But there is a newness of life that you cannot understand. Because even if you feel like you're doing great right now, if you are not following Jesus, if you have not surrendered your life to him, then the end of the good path that you feel like you're on is death. That's the only thing that the enemy can promise. Even if you're in the midst of a walking dead, understand that his grace can reach you. Do you believe that what God wants for you is exceedingly better than what you can plan for yourself? And then in those times that you look back and you say, yeah, it was better. Because I had one thing planned. I thought it was going to go, well, I really thought it was going to go differently than this. But God, God worked things out in a way that I couldn't imagine. I challenge you to believe. I challenge you to believe that God has a purpose to live in the truth that God's grace can extend to you. And I challenge you to share this truth with somebody you know who needs to hear it. To say to somebody, God has grace for you and God has a plan for you. I challenge you to just just share that that one simple truth that that sentence God has grace for you and God has a plan for you and see what it does in the person that you're talking to see how it affects them because so often the enemy will lie to us and he'll say oh God's done with you you've messed up God's done but his grace extends beyond that and his plan the call of God is without repentance. If he has a plan for me, that plan is still there. So today, take a look at, at which side of the verses you are on. Death versus life. Time past versus age to come. Our works versus God's workmanship. Today, things can change. As the music plays, as we go to the Lord in prayer, if you have never, if you're watching today and you have never, if you're sitting in here today and you have never received Jesus as your Savior, I want you to know that it's super duper simple. It's really easy. Like Paul said, by grace, we're saved through faith. And this, this salvation is healing. This salvation is a rescue. This salvation is deliverance. If you have never received or or you have before and you just straight away watching or here, then I want you to understand all you have to do is say, Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive my sin. By faith, I reach up to you. 
And I believe you're reaching down to me. And you can be saved. It's as simple as that. And that newness of life, that newness of life has been given to us. We are resurrected with Christ. So today, wherever you are, again, if you if you are needing to receive Christ, as we pray that simple, simple prayer, it reaches up to God. If you are in the in a place of trying your hardest to make God happy, you, you need deliverance from that today. You need to understand that He will do good works within you if you'll allow Him to. That it's not about what we can do, but it's about what He can do in us. Heavenly Father, we come to you today thanking you. Thanking you, God giving you praise, giving you glory. I thank you that you made a way, that you didn't want to live without it, and that you made a way, that it wasn't the old system of the law, it wasn't the keeping of the law, it was not bringing a sacrifice year by year, but it was the blood of your own son. That you said once and for all, this is the sacrifice that's going to be acceptable, this this is going to cover it all. I thank you, God, that you made a way. That you made a way that I can pass from death to life. I thank you that though I was dead in sin, though I was messed up, though there was darkness in my heart, you resurrected me, you woke me up, you brought me out, and you gave me newness of life. God, I thank you. And if there is anyone here who's watching, anyone who is here in person who has not received that newness of life or who maybe has, has strayed away, God, I just ask right now that you would tug on their hearts, that you would wake them up, that you would begin to do that resurrection work and help them to understand that there is life in Christ, that there is abundant life, that there is mercy, that there is kindness through the blood of Jesus. God, I pray that the time past is past. God, that we would, we would let go of those things except to look back and say, thank you, God, for what you've done. And that in ages to come, we can be a witness. That we can say, yeah, I went through this, but God. Yeah, I, I faced this trouble, but God. And Father, I pray that we would let go of the idea that we have to do good works in order to be pleasing and acceptable to you and just surrender ourselves to you and say, God, like I am, I know that you can take me and that you can change me and you can do good things. God, that you can use me to build. God, I pray that you would make each one of us your workmanship, that those who have felt unworthy, who think, how can God possibly use me? I am too whatever. I'm too old, too young. I've done too much bad stuff or I don't have enough experience. Whatever it may be, whatever lie that the enemy's trying to express, I just pray that that lie be cast down in Jesus' name, that each and every one of us would understand that you have grace for us and you have a plan for us. Heavenly Father, I pray for 
person who's here, who's watching. God, that your grace would extend to them. That never-ending supply, that, that unfathomable amount of grace that you have should reach out to our hearts. God, we thank you in advance for what you're doing in your people. God, I thank you and I praise you. I'm excited about what you want to do in our hearts. I'm excited about the word that you're trying to express to us. And God, I trust that you're taking us somewhere. God, I thank you. I thank you that you have a purpose and a plan for all things. I praise you. I thank you. I give you glory. And we say over your people, may Yahweh bless you. Keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. And may he give you his peace. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.